Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible XFi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Good morning, White Sox fans. I'm Jim Margulis, and this is your White Sox wake-up call for August 26, 2020. If you missed last night's game, you couldn't be held responsible for not seeing how the White Sox scored the bulk of their runs in a 4-0 victory over the Pittsburgh Pirates. A power surge at guaranteed right field knocked out the broadcast, and by the time NBC Sports Chicago could get back on the air, the White Sox turned their two-on-nobody-out situation into a neat little 3-0 lead after two. Fortunately, the broadcast resumed for the last seven innings so we could witness a Lucas Giolito no-hitter. Yes, Lucas Giolito threw the first no-hitter in a pandemic and he couldn't have been much more overpowering. He struck out 13 buckos on just 101 pitches, 74 of which were strikes. The only base runner was Eric Gonzalez, who reached on a four-pitch walk to start the fourth inning. He advanced no further as Giolito retired the next three batters on a total of eight pitches to put him back on track. Giolito only allowed two hard-hit balls in the night. The first was a Josh Bell laser right into shifted Yohan Mankata, and the other was the last batter of the game. Gonzalez had been the lone base runner, and he almost had the lone hit. James McCann called for a high fastball on a two-strike count, but Giolito left it on the outer half and in the zone. Gonzalez put a good swing on it, slashing a slicing liner to right. Larry Garcia maybe makes that catch. Avi Garcia does not make that catch. Nomar Mazzara doesn't make that catch. Nicky Delmonico does not make that catch. John Jay does not make that catch. Daniel Polka? <laughs> but none of those guys were out there. Adam Engel was out there, and he made that catch, charging aggressively and tracking the path with his glove, head, and torso. He snagged it with a lunge, but never left his feet, giving him plenty of momentum to redirect towards the celebration on the mound. Giolito survived a couple of other close calls, but not on solid contact. In the sixth, Tim Anderson almost threw away a routine 6-3, but Jose Abreu made a leaping snag and slapped the tack on Gonzalez. Again, Gonzalez, what was with that guy? Before he touched the bag. It would have certainly been an error instead of a hit, but Abreu prevented Giolito from facing any undeserved complications. Abreu and Anderson teamed up to save an actual hit an inning later. With one out, Brian Reynolds fisted a soft liner that landed behind the mound on the shortstop side of second. 
Anderson was shifted on the other side of the bag, but he ranged over to corral a hop with plenty of spin, and while he fired a one-hopper to first, Abreu was there for the stretch and the scoop, beating Reynolds by a fraction of a step. Giolito did the rest of the heavy lifting. His 13 strikeouts tied a career high for the second start in a row, and of his 74 strikes, a whopping 30 were whiffs, including 13 on his changeup. As is typical of the Giolito-McCann battery, he opened fastball changeup heavy before finding a slider later in the game. Every pitch was effective. You can also credit McCann, who didn't miss a strike according to the pitch charts. You might also want to give a little tip of the cap to home plate umpire C.B. Buckner, whose zone was generous, especially on the inside edge to left-handed hitters. When Engel caught the ball, McCann spun around, pointing finger guns at Buckner for his night's work. As for the offense, it did what it's supposed to do for a no-hitter, score early runs, then get out of the way. The White Sox improved to 8-0 against left-handed starters by putting a lot of traffic on the base paths early against Steven Brault. Brault pitched as though he knew the White Sox set the record for the most homers over a seven-game span last week, staying largely away from the White Sox' entirely right-handed lineup. The White Sox didn't take the bait, and said they took their walks, drawing four of them over Brault's three innings. Two walks were stranded in the first, but Brault's wildness loaded the bases with nobody out in the second. Luis Roberts started the inning with one of those impossible infield singles. Roberts somehow beat out a chopper to the left side despite stumbling out of the box. McCann got hit with a pitch up and in, and while it looked like the fastball found the knob of McCann's bat, the replay couldn't show that it avoided his hand entirely. McCann was allowed to take first base, and Danny Mendick followed with a four-pitch walk as the power went out. According to the game log, Robert scored on Angle's ground out to first, Anderson singled through the left side for a second run, and Eloy Jimenez found the hole on the right side for another RBI single that made it 3-0, which is right around when the broadcast resumed. The Sox had an opportunity to blow the game open in the third, but Edwin Encarnacion got the late stop sign rounding third on Robert's blooper to center and couldn't scramble back to the bag in time. Instead of the sacks packed with nobody out, the Sox had one out and runners on first and second. Thanks to some hashtag wild pitch offense and a McCann sack fly, the Sox still got a run out of it. The offense dried up when righty Nick Tropiano relieved Brault starting in the fourth, but the White Sox had scored all the run they needed. Robert bounced back from his golden sombrero against Hugh Darvish with a 3-for-4 night, including a double. Eloy Jimenez went 2-for-4 with a double from the second spot, although he provided a late scare when he twisted his ankle during the post-game mound mob. That's as good a reason for social distancing as anything. All in all, Giolito picked a hell of a way to close out the first half of the season, and Dallas Keuchel has a hell of an act to follow when he opens the back half of the season by starting the back half of this two-game set against Pittsburgh. First pitch is at 1.10 p.m. Central on NBC Sports Chicago. Keuchel will try to go 7-for-7 in satisfactory starts while facing Trevor Williams, assuming Williams is still on the Pirates by then. Williams, with his 3.7 ERA over 5 starts, might be on the move before the deadline, with the Blue Jays reportedly showing interest. Before we get into our league roundup, one more item of White Sox news. MLB.com's Mark Feinsand reported that the White Sox signed Yolmer Sanchez to a minor league contract. Sanchez had signed a minor league deal with the Giants during the offseason, but back stiffness prevented him from breaking camp with the team, and as the season reached the halfway point, it became apparent that the Giants didn't have plans for him. They granted him his release, and so Yolmer is back with the White Sox, who might have some playing time at third base depending on Juan Moncada's availability. Elsewhere around baseball, the Indians avenged their loss to Minnesota on Monday, taking the second game of their series at Progressive Field with a 4-2 victory. Francisco Lindor hit the go-ahead two-run shot in the fifth inning, which gave Shane Bieber enough support to improve to 6-0, although his ERA rose all the way up to 1.35. The Indians and White Sox have identical 18-12 records, and both pulled within a game and a half of the Twins, who are 20-11. 
The Royals topped the Cardinals in the Intra-Missouri Battle 5-4, and the Tigers spoiled Jose Quintana's 2020 debut by tagging him for three runs over three innings in Detroit's 7-1 victory over the Cubs. The New York Mets returned to play after missing the entire weekend waiting out coronavirus tests, but the offense didn't show up. They got blinked by both games of a doubleheader against Miami, losing 4-0 and 3-0. Thanks to the expanded postseason, scoreboard watching now includes more teams than usual. One of those unusual rivals is the Houston Astros, who are now a game and a half behind the White Sox in the seventh spot after a 12-5 loss to the Angels. The Blue Jays fell to 500 after falling to the Red Sox 9-7, which means there are three games now between the fifth spot and the eighth spot. That'll do it for this morning's White Sox wake-up call. Visit SoxMachine.com to talk about Lucas Giolito and nothing else. If you're new to the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google's podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. If you want to support the site and the show, you can do so at Patreon.com slash The Dan Johnson Cup of Coffee mugs are still available for new supporters at the $10 tier, or for $25 from the Sox Machine store. Thanks for listening to the Sox Machine podcast. For SoxMachine.com, I'm Jim Margulis. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Pip, 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 powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.